0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: If you haven't heard about anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Going on BVN, welcome in to another episode of Cast Talk Wednesday. Benny Hardy here. Terry T.B. Brown will be along shortly. Welcome into another show. We got tons of stuff to talk about. If y'all remember, we were off last week. We took a little bit of a break. So we played a past episode. So now we're back and we'll jump back into all the stuff we missed last week and all the stuff that's been going on this week. And there is plenty to get going. We got former Cats in the Summer League. We got, if you see football right around the corner, it's the media days are next week. Even a little touch of World Cup. We're not huge, you know, all up in it, but it's down to, you know, almost the final two teams. So we'll have to touch on that a little bit as well. Um, <clears throat> we got a guest coming up at 7 o'clock, and like I said, football is right around the corner, so our guest is Anthony Hoskins, father of UKD lineman Phil Hoskins. Mr. Anthony Hoskins will be on at 7 o'clock. Talk about the upcoming season, you know, his perspective as a parent, what games he's going to, all of that. If you remember before, this will be our second parent that we've had on. We had A.J. Rose's dad on. Uh, shortly after the blue-white game, so it was a lot of fun talking with Mr. Rose. This evening at 7, we will talk with Mr. Anthony Hoskins, Phil Hoskins' father. Uh, we got NBA free agency to talk about. The first hour of the show is wide open. So if you want to give us a call, it's 845-277-9373 at Cats Talk Wednesday on Facebook and Twitter. I'm also Facebook Live, and I got the link to this show. Right there in the comments So click the link and you can hear the full show and Not just me droning on and on Terry Hot in here Brown how's everything going with you sir It's been a little minute since we've been at this thing it,
2: Yeah it's, it's good and hot I think Everywhere but it, it's uh, I'm glad we had a uh, a Nice little, uh, little break there For the 4th of July Was able to take in the uh, Nathan hot dog eating Contest and Uh, That is a a Fourth of July tradition around these parts with us. So, uh, Joey Chestnut Uh, setting records and everything. Uh, It's the most absurd thing ever, uh, but the girls and I, we we get involved in it. We keep track of that uh, with Joey Chestnut (laughs) and and all the other folks. So, uh, glad to be back. Still got a lot of ground to cover. I know NBA free agency, uh, NBA summer league, there's there's no – Uh, There's no shortage of topics to cover So I know we got a big time guest uh, Coming up So uh, another great show I'm looking forward to it
1: Absolutely And you already know we got to devote a lot of the first hour However much time you want to take I'm sure you might have a few thoughts On NBA free agency Maybe you don't Maybe you just remain tight-lipped Since there wasn't much happening That affected your team Since we were last on the air but uh we'll definitely definitely get to that. Um as we mentioned at Facebook, Cast Talk Wednesday, hit us some comments, hit us on Twitter. Uh my personal Twitter is at Vinny Hardy, Vinny with a Y, Hardy with a Y. Where can the good people tweet you, Mr. Terry Brown? Uh that's at uh
2: T Brown uh underscore eight zero at T Brown uh, eighty. Uh, underscore eighty. Gotta put the underscore in there to uh uh, to get to me,
1: absolutely, absolutely. And before we dive on into everything, we gotta take a moment and uh, just extend our condolences to one of our listeners, Michelle Morton, listens to the show every week, whether it be live or catches on the podcast uh, up in Henderson. Uh, her mother passed away. She had messaged us a couple of weeks ago, letting us know that she wasn't doing very well. So definitely just from you and I, let her know that we're definitely thinking about her, and we're definitely sorry to hear that she had lost her mom.
2: Yeah, uh, definitely condolences to her and her family. She's a, a good Twitter friend out there. Um, so definitely send love and condolences to her and, and her family.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And once again, if you guys want to give us a call, eight four five two seven seven nine three seven three. Uh, throw around any topic that's on your mind, and we'll be, you know, happy to talk about it with you. I'm just going to step aside because, like I said, you you may have a few thoughts on Fred and TB. Then again, you may you know, you you might not have nothing to say since nothing happened in Lakeland since we were last on the air. But I'm just going to, you know, let you say your piece and, you know, what you think might happen or were you happy, sad, excited? Where, where are you at, man, on your personal go.
2: <laughs> well, uh I I wanna say that uh I have been saying for a while that the Lakers were gonna get a free, a big time free agent. Uh I think once Jeannie Bus took control of the uh team and and Magic and Rob Palenka uh took over running the show from junior bus, I felt confident that they were gonna get things done. Uh, I read a book uh, recently on the history of Lakers, going back to the Miken days in, uh, in Minneapolis. And basically the mantra has been, ever since then, the Lakers have the biggest names in the NBA. And I've talked about it before. You go from Mikan to Elgin Baylor and Jerry West. And then they bring in Wilt Chamberlain. And then Chamberlain <laughs> goes to Kareem. Kareem begins Magic, you know, uh, a couple of years uh, after Magic suddenly retires, you know, draft Kobe, bring Shaq in as a free agent. The Lakers bring in the super-duper stars. That is their whole thing. And, and really, uh, it, it really struck reading about uh, uh, Dr. Jerry Buss, who brought in the Showtime Lakers, who, who bought the team from uh, Jack Kent Cook in 78 or 79. And that was his whole thing. Turn the Lakers into a glamour franchise was to make sure that there were the Jack Nicholson in the seats and, and 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 the Hollywood elite and the and the fancy 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 uh, people. Uh, Denzel Washington, you know, has season tickets and so on. And and that's a roundabout way to say there's nowhere else I think in the NBA to be a super duper star that compares to LA. And so with all that being said. It made perfect sense for LeBron to come to LA. Uh, I think I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, he was able to build his career in Cleveland, go to Miami, and be dominant. I, I know they they you know were two and two in the finals, but that's still pretty darn that's still pretty darn good. And then to bring a championship to Cleveland, you know, get them to you know three four straight finals. Uh, now he has the ability to to really put his name stamp on one of the premier franchises in North American sports to to get LA back. Uh, look, some of the other off season signings, I'm a little scratching my head about Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee. I'm not <laughs> I, I'm not buying into those guys, uh, but I think Rajon Rondo. Uh, I know he's kind of got this quirky personality thing that, you know, even a lot of Kentucky fans don't necessarily warm up to, but, you know, playoff Rondo can absolutely ball. We have seen that uh, his time in Boston. We saw that uh, this year with uh, uh, with, the, uh, with the Pelicans that he's able to elevate a team. He's still able to be a great playmaker. Uh, so, I don't know if they'll make any other moves this Year, but what I'm hearing from Magic's point of view, from LeBron's point of view, it's a four-year contract. LeBron understands that it's not just for this year. This year is to get back to the playoffs, which I think you can pretty much guarantee now. Okay, I think next season they're they're going to look to add uh, another big-time free agent. Whether you know, I don't know how the Kawhi Leonard deal is going to go uh The boogie cousins uh, you don't know how that's gonna go uh but they're they're creating the cap space and the maneuverability uh to add another big time person uh, and 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 then set their sights on challenging golden State um, so I'm excited uh you know I'm in the Lakers Twitter and I read lots of Lakers things and and whatnot uh. So you know, you talk about all the time the Lakers are always on TV. Well, now they're really going to always be on TV. <laughs> I mean, of of their 80 games, I think like 50 of them are on national TV. So uh, expect expect to, expect to see a lot more of of that. You know, uh, they're, they're going to be it's going to be must see TV, and, and um, you know, I feel I feel good about that. Obviously, uh, obviously. Uh, You know, and and, and I know you've seen a lot of things on NBA Twitter about, you know, Kobe fans not wanting LeBron. Well, you know, I'm a Kobe guy, but I'm also a Magic Johnson guy. I'm a Lakers guy. And I want LeBron. I'm glad we got LeBron because that's, you know, hey, let's get a couple more titles and pass Boston. That's what I'm thinking (laughs) is, you know, LeBron's there for four years. Let's, Let's, you know. Let's get him acclimated, let's get back to the playoffs, let's make some noise, but boom. You know, Lakers are, are like our beloved Wildcats. It's it's really championship or bust. Like you've got to get to the finals. Like when you look at the, the Laker great, uh, you and I talked about this with Edward Perez a couple of weeks ago. Elgin Baylor kind of gets lost in the in the shuffle of uh Laker legends because he didn't win a championship. And and that's kind of, it's unfair because he was a great player, but he kind of gets forgotten about a little bit. Uh, so if LeBron really wants to cement his legacy, and I don't want to get back and forth if is he the goat or whatever, you know, he's still got some work to do. But if he wants to make his name for himself, he's going to have to bring a title uh, and put another banner up in Staples. So I'm excited about what this upcoming season and the next four years are going to bring with uh, LeBron uh, in town.
1: Did you pretty much expect or kind of not see any way around Julius Randle and the Lakers parting ways? That they ended up renouncing his rights to where he could move on, and now he's with uh, the Pelicans. Now, did you kind of anticipate that with LeBron coming on, or were you kind of hoping that he could still be on the roster some way somehow?
2: I love Julius Randle's game. And obviously, he's a Wildcat. But when you look at his growth from where he was his first game at Kentucky to where he was at the end of the season, you know, we talk about, you know, Aaron Harrison's threes and we talk about the tweak and all that. But Julius Randle going to the high post, getting away from that spin move, becoming a willing Mm -hmm. passer. Uh, You know, go watch that end of that Louisville game in the 2014, the Sweet 16 round. You know, he draws the double team and kicks out to Aaron Harrison to hit the three. And so he had that growth that year. He's had a lot of growth as far as what he's done in the NBA. And I'm sad to see him leave, but I really don't think Mm -hmm. that, that Luke Walton gave him the opportunity to be great. When you look at once he got into the starting lineup this past season, you know, his numbers, and you know, we talk about how John Calipari was known as a point guard guru. You know, his numbers, double-doubles and and rebounds and points averages were right up there with the other Kentucky big men. When you're talking about Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, Julius Randle was right there. Uh, I just, I didn't think, that there was trust on both sides with with Randall and the Lakers and I think that that relationship was just it was it was broken uh so I don't know how that factored in with LeBron you know I don't know the numbers and all that kind of stuff couldn't begin to to figure that out but I just I hate to see him
0: with the lucky land sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Go, because like I said, I thought he was really coming into his own. Uh, I thought he was versatile for what he could do. Uh, maybe not necessarily a stretch four with his jump shot, but he could put the ball on the ground. Uh, he could drive. Uh, he could rebound. And he was a playmaker from that position where the Lakers, with Lonzo Ball, figured it out, and and, and Ingram, he could make some plays for other people as well, which I think is going to serve him well once he moves over uh, uh, to the Pelicans.
1: I think he's going to be a great complement for uh, Anthony Davis. Yeah, and the word is that A.D. was kind of lobbying hard to get him down to New Orleans, so. He wasn't on the market long, got a two-year contract, I think, and uh, they will be a a nice front line because he's relentless, uh, and we already know what AD is capable of. They'll look a little bit different, and, you know, we'll see how they do without playoff rondo there, but they still have a pretty nice core down there, and, and no doubt the Pelicans know the pressure is on to try to put some pieces in place to be a legitimate contender before Anthony Davis may decide that, hey, I've been here long enough and have to maybe look elsewhere? Well, yeah, and and it's an awkward
2: situation. And and since we're talking about free agency, when you look at what's going on in the NBA, first off, and you and I, we've talked about this before, but there there has never been parity in the NBA. This fantasy land where you can look at any given season and see 10 to 12 teams that could possibly win the championship has never been. That's just, it's not like uh, with the NFL where they structure it for all this parity, even though we've seen what the, the Patriots have been able to do, obviously, but that's just not what the NBA is. Uh, the NBA is is almost set up for, for dynasties. You know, you get that bird exception where you can sign your own free agent to more money they can get anywhere else. It's, it's set up for this kind of thing, and it always has been. So uh, the only difference is now players have the freedom to create their own teams. And for whatever reason, people are just uncomfortable with that. I, I wish I could understand it, but, like, you, you look at DeMarcus Cousins. His phone was not ringing off the hook because of the Achilles injury, yeah. and and I can understand that. Yeah. You know, he wasn't going to get the money yeah. that he was going to get if he was healthy. Why is he going to be the bad guy because Golden State said, hey, here's, you know, $5.4 million. Uh, when everybody else had the opportunity to do that. Yeah. You know, the, the whole the whole knock on Boogie, you know, even his time at Kentucky, he's not a team guy, you know, he's trying you know, he's putting up his twenty and ten, uh, but is he committed to winning? Well then he turns around, takes less money than what is available in some other places to go to a winner, be able to contribute to a winning team, and then he gets dogged <laughs> for it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we can live in this fantasy world and we can talk about, you know, what Jordan wouldn't have done, what Magic wouldn't have done. They didn't have the ability to do it. You know, I, I saw uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, not Reinsdorf, Jerry Krause, one of those guys, is it Reinsdorf I think was the owner of the Bulls way back when. Anyway, one of the, the Jerry's no. came out, that, you know, Michael never said, you know, bring me X, Y, and Z. Well, it just wasn't feasible. Like the system was not set up like that in the uh, early eight to mid eighty or late eighties, early nineties. That's not the way it's set up. What we have seen is LeBron, and then it's kind of trickled down. Stars taking this one year deal, two year deal with you know with some options. They're giving themselves flexibility and really putting on, putting it on ownership. Hey. I'm not going to be one of these superstars kind of like your man, Dominique Wilkins, whose best years, you know, what would he have done to bring in somebody to help him get past the Celtics when he was in Atlanta or get past the Sixers, you know? So now players have the ability to kind of do that. And I don't see it being a bad thing.
1: I don't, I don't know if Larry or magic would have moved, but, in their situation, they didn't need to. And, of course, me being a Dominique guy, I'm biased to him because, you know, I was a Hawks fan growing up in the 80s when the Celtics and Lakers were dominating. If Dominique had the opportunity, I'd be doggone if I don't think he would have taken advantage of it. Because he, I mean, he gave the Hawks several years to try to put something around him. And wh- wh- how did that turn out? You know, I mean, I, I mean, after a while, the frustration level, because, look, Magic had Worthy and Kareem and Byron Scott. Bird had Mikhail and Parrish and Dennis Johnson and Danny Ainge. Jordan had Pippen. Stockton had Malone. You know, Isaiah and Dumars. You can name, and you talked about how to set up for Dynasties, the teams that were dynasties, you could name guys that were partners in crime that could flat out play. Name Dominique, Robin, and at best you come up with Stacy Ogman, Kevin Willis. Uh, you know, it and they broke the Do, bank Do, and Rivers. gave John, yeah, John Rivers, uh, Mookie Blaylock. They broke the bank in Dominique's prime for John Conkak. That was the big man that spent, for that time period, crazy money for to help Dominique out. So I couldn't have blamed him if he said, okay, you know, it ain't working out here. Let me try to go team up with a legit other superstar, you know. But, you know, he he wasn't able to do it, just like you said. That just wasn't possible back then. You know, Patrick Ewing might have done the same thing, uh, Reggie Miller finally made the finals and lost to your Lakers, who's to say he might not have, you know, made a move and, and not ended up being a patient for life. You just never know. And and that's the thing that frustrates me is when
2: we talk about the, the GOAT discussion and we talk about you can't compare eras you can't talk about, well, you know, these old guys, you know, of future generations wouldn't have done X. They didn't even have the opportunity to do it. That's, that's the thing. You know, it, it's like you're talking about baseball. Well, you know, so-and-so in the 50s wouldn't have taken steroids. Uh, we don't, It wasn't available. So it's really a straw man argument to say what somebody wouldn't have done, uh, would or would not have done. And you look at Charles Barkley that talks, you know, he, he kind of set the pattern for ring chasing. You know, he forced himself out of a situation in Philadelphia to get to Phoenix. And then to get to Houston, to chase a ring. That's that, – that, and, and what kills me is your, your rocket with, with Barkley and Pippen and Olajuwon, just because they didn't reach that goal, they tried to form a super team. Like, I don't know why we're trying to color the past and oh, all those guys were old. Uh, they could still play. They were still playing at all NBA level. When they, when they got together in Houston, right? I mean, they were, it, it wasn't like, you know, they were all 50 years old, you know, and Pippen could still play. We saw what he went on to do in, in, in Portland. Uh, this super team concept, for whatever reason, it's only acceptable when the teams do it. Like when uh, the Timberwolves, when Minnesota did Kevin Garnett a solid and sent him to Boston. He had languished in that franchise for, you know, what was 10, 11 years thereabouts, And they did him a solid. like, look, we're not going to get this right. Here you go. I don't understand why it's okay when the teams pull the strings, but when the, the players do it, we get, we talk about loyalty and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, we mm-hmm. we have all seen players in every sport. What happens when you stop being all NBA, <laughs> when you stop being productive, <laughs> what do these teams do to you?
1: Right? Yeah, boy.
2: Like we, your and, man and Dominic, they, send you, they send you to the Clippers, right? They,
1: they, oh, they, they cut yeah. you. I mean, that. And he, that's what they do. And he was in his prom and they were having the best year ever. That was the best year they ever had. And he's been there 12 years on Decent teams, but, you know, and if they finally have a, a legit chance, get the number one seed, you trade them to the Clippers, and don't even give them a chance to make the playoffs on that team. That's, if, you know, that's why I'm still bitter. It's the ultimate slap in the face for Danny Manning. And and, and, and the thing
2: is, you know, and we've seen this play out. Whenever there's a labor stoppage, whenever there's anything, for whatever reason, people – And I don't get it. They side with the billionaires over the millionaires. That's what I don't understand when it comes to, we talk about sports contracts and we talk about whatever. I just don't understand why it is that the owners get the benefit of the doubt that the players don't. Uh, You know, I remember talking to my dad about when Shaq signed for that ridiculous contract. And I was like, look at that. And my dad said to me, Well, who do you think is the man that signs his checks? Right? How much Uh is that guy getting? And I just don't understand. We we look at what LeBron does, we look, and it's just people, oh, he's not loyal. And look, I like where I work. I'm sure you like where you work. But if a competitor says, look, Vinny, you're doing a good job for your company, come here, I'll pay you 150% of what you're making right now. Look, I'm not even going to clean out my desk. If I can't offer like that, <laughs> I'm going to leave my picture. It's time, to, it's time to go. And I just don't understand oh. when it comes to, to, to sports. I know, I know it's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison, but I'm only as loyal as that next paycheck. Because no. at your job, at my job, it, and, and this is what I, I guess it's the American culture thing. Like, look, if I drop dead today, by the time my funeral is, my job, they, they, they're they posting, and they're already replacing me. And that's the way yeah. it is. Yeah. with, with sports. <laughs> when, when your wide receiver can't create separation, he's got to go. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. When, when you're running back, yeah. yards per carry go down, he got to go. When your slugger can't turn on the fastball like he used to, He's got to go. Forget all this yeah. loyalty stuff. <laughs> I mean, because uh, you end up like like Reggie Miller, like you said, that plays for a franchise his entire career and really kind of lucks into, you know, well, making well, it to a, a finals appearance. You know, and, and you look you know. at you know all those all these guys we see that stay with one uh, franchise forever. Uh, what, what did they get for their loyalty? Not as much as we like to believe. <laughs> so, uh, it's That's just a good. weird situation, especially with free agency. Uh, you know, we love, you know, when somebody some guy gets traded, but God forbid he take a pay cut and try to win with his friends. That's a – I was never mad at LeBron for leaving <laughs> Cleveland the first time. I'm not mad at him for leaving now. That's just – the The game is a game. I mean, you look at uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers, you look at how much their franchise was worth in 2002, right? Look at what LeBron has brought Dan Gilbert. $40 million a year wouldn't even cover it. That's the thing that people don't realize is the really great, great players, they change for everybody. What was Michael Jordan worth to the Bulls? At least a hundred million dollars a year, but that's not what he. Mm-hmm. But that—that's what. What was he worth? Just in ticket sales and just whatever. Uh, you put LeBron up there. You put Kobe up there. You know what are those guys actually worth for those franchises? So, uh, that's my little soapbox about uh, about NBA free agency is. Look, if a guy wants to win a championship and take less money, good for him. If he wants to go the Carmelo route and, like, look, you going to pay me my money. <laughs> I'm okay with that, too. I mean, it's a, it's a job. Because no one is really going to take a discount. You sign a contract for whatever your employer says you're, you're worth, and, you know, you, you want to fulfill that contract. I mean, like we said a couple weeks, there was no way he was gonna. Carmelo was gonna avoid, you know, the twenty-eight million dollars he's got coming. He ain't doing that. Yeah. he's not uh-huh. doing that. <laughs> pay me my money, and I'm okay with it. I really am. So, you um, know, it is.
1: It is what it I'm, is. <laughs> I'm hoping he doesn't end up in Houston. I, but I, I love Daryl Morey, the job he's done, but I'm not.
0: In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Full court press. Rockets are the favorite to get him, and they're all in on trying to get him. I'm not really seeing that. I know that. Trevor Reza moved on to Phoenix, and Luke and Bob Mute moved on to the Clippers. Uh, so they need some small forward help, but I just I just don't see Melo being the fit. And those guys, you know, can shoot the three and stretch stuff out. They did not do that in game seven against the Warriors. I understand that. But they also would bring it defensively, and that's never been one of Melo's strengths. So I'm, you know, it'll it, it, be a new look team, but I don't. I'm not really feeling that right now. But I, I have to see what they do. But I, I can't act like I'm gonna be like, whoa, yeah, Carmelo. And if you saw him in the playoffs against with OKC, okay, you know, he's shooting the threes off the side of the backboard and just. You know, totally off, and he might come in and, yeah. and and have a little second win and be rejuvenated. He ain't gonna be Gary Payton or Bruce Bowen ever, but you know, so I'm not feeling it, and you know, I'm not excited if he comes to Houston. Well, and and I can I can understand that because
2: Carmelo, and look, let's let's not let what he is now Color what he was able to do. Uh, particularly in Denver, yeah. he could flat out ball. Let's 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 you know mm-hmm. let's not color the the past on that. He could he could flat out ball, but his style of play, he's a ball stopper. Like his ball movement is never yeah. his thing. And and I get it, even going back yeah. to uh, his Syracuse days. I, I get it. Tremendous uh, basketball player, but to ask him. Well, and, and to make it work, he's going to have to radically change what he does. And I don't know if he can. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
2: because, and maybe, I think if I'm a Houston fan like you, and I'm seeing that uh, Carmelo's kind of, you know, he's, it, it looks like he's going to be a Rocket. Hope you get Olympic Melo, where he was surrounded yeah. by really good players. You put him on the floor with, uh, playmakers like uh, like Chris Paul, like James Harden, where he's able to kind of fit in. He can score in bunches. I still think he can do that. Uh, my concern is like yours, what would he do defensively? Because the strange thing for me, being a non, you know, I'm not really into the Rockets like you are, you take Golden State to game seven, I don't know that you blow it up. When you, when you talk yeah. about, you know, how how there was game seven, and then you have that just historically bad shooting performance. I mean, really, yeah, other right. than that, you know, <laughs> and, and Chris Paul being injured, I, I think you're having a different conversation right now. Yeah. I, I think if a healthy Chris Paul changes that. I, I honestly believe that, and I know you're probably on the same page. So I just don't know why you blow that up, why you – Go in a different direction um, because I think that when you look at Golden State, yes, they have got the the big three, um, but but Andre Iguodala he's getting banged up, right? He he you know he's not, so I just don't think it's going to be Golden State running it back because I think next year is going to be the year I, I think where they kind of come back to earth a little bit. Could be wrong. But I think we'll probably see that. So I think teams are kind of looking differently. Like the Lakers may are saying, maybe not this year, but next year. Uh, if if I'm a Rockets fan, I'm more concerned with Chris Paul getting you know forty million dollars when he's thirty eight. That would be concerning to me. because <laughs> I mean, we've seen that he's not durable. I mean, he, he's he's older, and and I think mm-hmm. that would be a concern. If I was a, a Rocket fan, that move would, would concern me. So, uh, and, I, and I, I don't think it. we can say that Golden State is ruining the NBA. It's, it's the same way as talking about the Patriots. Everybody's got the same rules, right? Everybody's playing by the same salary cap and uh, luxury tax. Everybody's playing by the same kind of rules Is you have to have a front office that is better than everybody else. You yeah. know, if if Boogie comes back in January and February, and he's able to, you know, he won't be a 2010 guy because of the nature of the team, but if he's able to, uh, you know, be half, or not even half, but if he's, you know, 75 to 80% of the player he has been, you can't say, man, Golden State, you know, was it back? Everybody had a shot at boogie. My Lakers had a shot, and I'm upset that we, yeah. didn't, we didn't make that move. I, I, I am. Right. You know, I've read about that. So you can't be upset uh, when you look at, like when you talk about the Patriots, they scout for their system, and they have gone against conventional wisdom because, you know, conventional wisdom, has, hey, you need a big-time receiver. You know, that that's kind of the way teams go. Well, the Patriots haven't had that. They've had a lot of quote-unquote possession guys, you know, and grunk. But they, they have a system. They get rid of guys maybe uh, you think, why would they get rid of that guy? And then he kind of goes to another team and he kind of trails off a little bit. That's just their M.O. And right now that's what Golden mm-hmm. State's front office is all about, playing by the same set of rules but doing it better than everybody else. And yeah. when we complain about that, I'm, real quick, let me. When we complain about that, you know, Tom Brady was a six round draft pick. Okay,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, how many? You know, we talk about how many teams pass on him. Conversely, how many teams pass on Steph? How many teams pass on Klay Thompson? How many teams yeah. pass on Draymond Green? Yeah. So we can talk about Kevin Durant making his move or whatever. At, at some point, people need to get over that. But, hey, <laughs> a lot of this stuff was built through the draft and through very keen and 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 very shrewd free agent styling. Andre Godala fits that team real well. Sean Livingston coming off the bench fits that team real well. So it, your anger is misplaced. You should be upset at your front office <laughs> for not competing with Golden State. That's where the A should mm-hmm. <laughs> be. That, that's, yeah. that's what, it, it, you know, that's what people should be upset. Like, hey, why can't we do that? So, yeah, uh, uh, yeah uh, I've rambled all over the place. And, uh,
1: and we'll, we'll take a quick break here in a second, too, and talk about, you know, the former Cats in the summer league. And real quick, you know, and I've said it, for weeks, I said it during the playoffs I said it leading up to the playoffs Darryl Moore and the Rockets did the best job of positioning themselves to have a shot at knocking off the Warriors you know, he, he was NBA Executive of the Year uh, you know, he put together a, a team that was ready to go toe-to-toe with the Warriors and that's the one reason I'm kind of concerned going into this coming season because As prolific as the Warriors are, you also know, Terry, that they are also always top five, top ten in the league defensively. They don't come out and beat you up like the 90s Knicks. But Clay Thompson is a lockdown defender. You know, Igadala will get after it. You know, Steph and and Draymond as well, you know, multiple defensive player of the years and all that. Steph's a good team defender. But collectively, they bring it defensively. And then they also, you know, shoot your eyes out and go in those spurts and runs that, you know, where teams can't keep up with them as far as firepower offensively. Houston also did that. You know, Ben Tony, always known for his offense, that's, you know, his forte. But Houston was a good defensive team last year. They kind of transformed themselves on that end, which led to a lot of their success. So that's what looks like it's going to be lacking going into next year, which is, you know, one reason I'm concerned as of now. You know, they may make some moves and shore some of those things up, but right now I'm just not seeing it. So that's, you know, one reason why, like I said, I'm not feeling Carmelo thing and let's say bring in some other guys that can play defense. And Carmelo radically changes and also realizes he's not – elite option number one. Like he is, you know, he's thirty four years old and coming off of a rough season. So hopefully he has some perspective on that as well. I know you know the ego is big and we all think <laughs> we can do what we used to do. But uh we shall see. But uh we had a fun first, you know, forty minutes we got Mr Anthony Hawkins coming Hoskins, Phil Hoskins finally coming up at seven We'll take a quick break right now and then get back onto some summer league stuff. We got topics for days. Also, a dude that you hoop with that was in the news today, TV. We gotta we gotta talk about that as well. A guy that you come to know every Tuesday on the Hardwood, making some news. <laughs> talk about that. Um, this is Cat Stop Wednesday, Viddy Hardy Chain Brown. Coming off of a bye week last week, bringing you another live show this evening. Hope you're enjoying it. Appreciate you listening. Take a quick break right now. Be right back with plenty more show to go. Stay right with us. Retweeting and commenting on Facebook Live, 845-277-9373. TB and I hitting all the free agency news. Braun is a Laker heading out west to join Terry's squad. Boogie is out on the west coast, you know, on a contender, bouncing back from injury, letting everybody know, you know, not rushing back but then positioning himself to uh, be very, very attractive to a lot of teams who, like you mentioned, had a chance to get him now. Uh, But if all goes well, he'll bounce back strong uh, and and have a lot more phone calls next summer than he did this summer. Um, Your guy, Luke Hancock, former Louisville Cardinal, was in the news today, Tim Henderson in the news today, Going in on the NCAA On a crusade to get the 2013 Banner back I, I don't understand
2: I, I don't mm-hmm. Understand What's going on um, Number one uh, The University of Louisville Is a member institution in the NCAA And by being a member institution There's things that come with it do you have the ability to compete for collegiate championships, da-da-da-da-da. Also, you, you kind of say that you are kind of submitting yourself to NCAA rules and regulations. And I don't I, – I, I've looked over the lawsuit. I'm not sure what angle they're using to get – the championship back I don't understand uh the press conference today I didn't see it live I followed some people on Twitter uh I, I don't know where they're coming from uh yeah they can bash the NCAA and you and I have said and I think most people say the NCAA system n- does
0: need fixing but their lawyer with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com No uh, purchase necessary. Forward, believe by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: that they've hired basically referenced the one-and-done rule as an NCA rule, and it's not. And that's one of those things, uh-oh your, your lawyer should pretty much know what he's talking about before you go on tv uh discussing these things so that's an issue uh look i, I understand the frustration let me put that out there as you said i've, I've played uh, some some basketball pickup against uh luke hancock and i understand that i understand you know he has to hear about strippers almost every day you know he was the most outstanding player of the final four and and that has lost a little or a little bit of its luster. I get that as well, but my answer to that would be: um, when you look at, and I know they're not equivalent, but when you look at at Penn State, right? Do you think everybody that ever played football at Penn State was a party to that? No, I do not. But you're going to hear that, right? If you tell people, yeah, I played Penn yeah. State, you know, nineteen ninety, whatever, that's part of the discussion. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. uh, the same way Michigan State, you know, when you look at SMU, was everybody on the payroll? No. Kentucky oh. Shane, <laughs> Do I think everybody on the roster was 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 responsible? No. This is what the NCAA does because this is really the only thing they can do is they expunge those records. You know, whatever happens at your institution, you're lumped into that. That's just the way it goes. I, I I don't know how you can legislate against that. I don't know how you can uh, because it's not going away. You know, I I, do. I think they're going to get the title back. No, I, I think the NCAA. Uh, they didn't overstep like they did with with the Penn State case. Is they've done like they have done going way back. Uh, it's hard to punish the people that create the mess. It's it's a lot of collateral damage with the in, way the NCAA does it. But that's what happens. You know? Do I believe that every Miami Hurricane football player lived a life like Michael Irvin and those guys? No, I don't. But. You all, you get swept up in it. I mean, that's the thing. And and, and even uh, you look at the the situation that Calipari has been in. You know, all those you know, like a Joey Dorsey or a Chris Douglas Roberts at Memphis. All the hard work they put in, and the NCAA says, you know, what, we're wiping that away because of what uh, Derek Rose was alleged to have done. You know, those guys can't go into FedEx form and look up and see their banner anymore. It's collateral damage. Is is it fair? No, Mm -hmm. but that's the way it is. You know, Michigan had to disassociate itself from the Fab Five. Jalen Rose has talked about that extensively, about not being able to go and celebrate the work they put into. That's the way it is. I mean, I don't know what else to say to folks, you know, it's like uh with Kentucky Shame and all that stuff and we were on probation and those games that weren't televised had you know, those players had nothing to do with what had happened. But they're left holding the bag. That's the way the NCAA works. I, I just don't I don't, I don't understand what angle they're they're taking with this. Uh, it's impermissible benefits, uh I mean, I, I think what hurts them is U of L said, "Yeah, this happened." You know, their argument was it wasn't a big deal because of the amount. That was U of L's argument. It wasn't that these things didn't take place. So I, I don't know what they look to get out of it. Now, for the the regular U of L fans, let me just say this: most U of L fans are ready to move on. Most Seabell fans are, <laughs> are done with all that. They got the AD they wanted and Vince Tyra. They got the basketball coach they wanted and Chris Mack, without a lot of hullabaloo and a lot of you know dragging out like what you saw in your neck of the woods in Tennessee. They got the guy they wanted. The university has a president now that is ready to move forward and, and clean up. This doesn't do anybody any good. And again my heart goes out to the players because I understand it and something you had no control over has now kind of put a, a cloud over. It. That's the, that's, that's the way it works. I mean, unfortunately, that is the way humans work. You know, you can go to yeah. Arby's and get a bad Arby sandwich. And now you're like, I ain't never going back to Arby's. And you could be mm-hmm. wherever in the country and be like, I ain't never going back to Arby because the Arby's two blocks from my house <laughs> did this. that That's the way humans think. I mean, honestly, that, that's just you know? the way it is. Nobody's going to take the time and say, you know, I went to this Arby's at 7 o'clock. Maybe that was just a bad – no, you just generalize. That, and That's unfortunately <laughs> what happens. Uh, that, that, so I don't know what they're attempting to do. Uh, I mean, they've had rallies for the 2013 championship, uh, a five-year celebration, which I've never heard of before. But whatever, you know, celebrate it, whatever you want to do. I just don't know as this kind of progresses, is this what you, the energy you want to put out there when you're trying to move forward? Because honestly, going into next year and probably the year after, th- th- it's going to be a rough period for Coach Mack. In the, in the squad it's going, to be a, it's going to be a tough go of it You know they're going to lose Probably more than they win It's going to be ugly And I don't know If you want this floating around Because as people smarter than me have pointed out With a lawsuit You start having to pose people And, mm-hmm. and Remember the NCA Can't force people to To To, uh, to talk but if you get subpoenaed and a judge says you got to come talk under oath, do you want that if you're a Louisville person at this point?
3: Right. Because
2: right. we know what we've been sold has happened. <clears throat> it was one guy, Andre McGee, that was responsible for everything. That's what we've been sold. Mm-hmm. So that's why you see uh, UofL settling with Jurich. I think they'll settle with Patino because nobody wants that. That's not good for anybody to have a deposition under oath where everything is wide open because it's a Pandora's box. It is an absolute Pandora's box. You There's probably yeah. things you don't want out there. And I would say the same thing if it was Cal and Kentucky, Coach K and Duke. There's probably things you don't want out. Whatever your business is, You probably don't want that out there in the streets. So I I, I don't see what their angle is at all.
1: That's it. That's it. And, you know, like we always say, any school can act food any time, and we'll get into some of that in the second hour. Another blue blood kind of may have some news or in the news, may have to face the news that's talking about Kansas. Talk about that on the other side after we talk with Mr. Hoskins, but before we call him, the Summer League, you know, I don't keep up with it a lot. You know, I kind of just check stats and stuff. I'm not watching every single game. I know there's tons of cats in it. But even if you don't keep up with it, you still know the former cats are doing a lot of big things. I mean, everybody. You know, Kevin Knox wowing people. Shea wowing people. Malik Monk was hot as a pistol the other day, and then you thought there was bad news about him being out six to eight weeks with his thumb. Good for him that it was, you know, back to day-to-day, and it wasn't broken because he was lighting it up, you know, kind of like those hot streaks we saw him on while at Kentucky, you know, going to the basket. The three was working. You know, he was filling it, and he looked like that old Malik Monk that we saw for that season when he was paired with Aaron Fox. Um, Hami having a good game, especially the game against the Mets, his hometown squad, making, you know, waves down there with the Thunder. You know, all of these guys are just in there doing their thing. Kyle was up there watching them and had a big dinner with most of them. Isaiah Briscoe, his journey, and now he's parlayed that into a contract with the Magic. All these guys are just, you know, doing their thing in the summer league. So happy for everybody. And, and, you know, even guys that you thought, eh, hope it works out for them. Turns out it is working out for them. You know, Briscoe putting in work and it's paying off. So hope, you know, continue to grind and hope all of this carries over for all of them when the season does roll around in the fall. Yeah,
2: you know, for me, You know, the summer league has been going on forever and ever, but I I think it's only been the last couple years with the Kentucky guys that I've really paid that much attention to it. You know, you've seen people kind of critical of Cal's coaching um, because you see what Knox has been able to do, Kevin Knox for the Knicks, and you've seen what what Shea's been able to do, and and, and even Hami has has shown uh, some great things. Uh, Well, number one, you know, the the court is a little bit bigger. You know, uh, and, and and teams aren't able to play these kind of junk, grab-and-clutch defenses. So guys with a little bit more freedom of movement are able to do their thing, and that's what we're seeing with Kevin Knox. Shea is being the guy that, that we kind of saw him be from the midpoint of the season on. Uh, he can get to the rim, and he can finish at the rim. Uh, one thing... Uh, you talk about Briscoe that's really kind of caught my attention is his mechanics on his jump shot look a whole lot better than when he was in Lexington. You know, he was a reluctant shooter. Um, and keep in mind, he played out of position at Kentucky. He was a point guard in high school and really deferred to, to Uless and Murphy as a freshman. And then deferred, you know, to, uh, uh, to De'Aaron Fox, um, And and that's the one thing you can talk about with Kentucky guys is Cal asked them to do things that they're not comfortable with to really make themselves better. Um, I watched, you know, our our guys at Kentucky Clips uh, put out some highlights of Anthony Davis, uh, you know, in the 2012 NCAA tournament. And, you know, particularly against Baylor, he was hitting that straight away, you know, free throw line, couple of feet back, jump shot that he wasn't taking, wasn't utilizing at the beginning of the year. So to say that Cal doesn't develop guys, I, I think that's a misnomer. Uh, but I, I am glad to see these guys really lighten it up in uh, in the Summer League. And like you said, I hope it does carry over uh, because we are going to see a big blue takeover uh, of, the, of the NBA. We're, we're right there at that uh, critical mass right now. We're going to see a lot of all-stars, a lot of of guys on deep playoff runs. It's setting up for that. Um, so, so yeah. So with the summer league, I'm, I'm really excited uh, to kind of see the former cats do well. It doesn't always translate, but, but definitely you, you hope it does. Uh, Cause guys are signing contracts, Jarrett Vanderbilt, you know, three years, $4 million. Hey, get healthy, show them what you can do. Big fella. I, I, I'm not mad at a guy for making that kind of uh, life changing decision. Get your money while you can. So, so um, definitely a lot of good news. It's, we've talked about it. Uh, Kentucky basketball is pretty much a year-round prospect at, at, at this. At this point, yeah. you know it's, it's the middle yeah. of July. You know, getting to the mid-July, and, and there's still news. There's still highlights to see. So it's 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 great, and and I think that's the one thing that we can look when Cal is done, when he's moved on what's going to be his lasting legacy is is really making it. uh, We we always used to joke that Kentucky fans talked about Kentucky basketball year-round. Well, now you can because there's legitimate news (laughs) every day. So definitely, uh, you know, I'm enjoying that.
1: Absolutely. We will transition to football because that is the next sport to start its season. You know, of course, volleyball and all that, too. But the other big sports, we cannot get to basketball without first getting the football season rolling, which it is fast approaching, season opener September 1st. So right now we will lob a telephone call to one Mr. Anthony Hoskins, the father of Phil Hoskins, D-lineman, coming up, looking to contribute a lot, and that is, of course, a position of focus for Kentucky, for the SEC across the board. So we will get some insight on what Mr. Hoskins is looking forward to uh, and have a little bit of fun talking with him. Uh, he's been looking forward to being on, and now it is time for us to chat with Anthony Hoskins and talk a football and maybe a little Ohio stuff as well. Um, hello. Hello, Mr. Hoskins. Hello. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown, Cats Talk Wednesday. How you doing this evening?
4: I'm doing fine. And yourself, sir?
1: We can't complain. We can't complain. We are honored to have you on the show to talk a little football, talk about...
0: With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To Sunfield and the
1: upcoming season, we thank you for, for taking the time to be on with us this evening.
4: I appreciate you having me to talk about Phil, sir. Appreciate that.
1: So as a father, September the first, the season opens against Central Michigan. What's your excitement level? Are you are you just you know, bursting with excitement to see him out there for Kentucky this season on that D line?
4: Sir so excited because he's where we predicted he would be this year as a starter. So um, I would put it at a 10 on excitement just to see him on that field. Definitely,
1: definitely. And that's kind of a, a position that, you know, Kentucky's been trying to build. Because in the SEC you you gotta have, you know, that that strong front to kinda anchor things for the defense. So, I'm uh, I'm sure Phil is looking forward to to getting out there and, and contributing to to the anchoring down that front for the cap as well, isn't he?
4: Yes, sir. Yes sir, he is. Yes. I think the D-line is one of the most important to him on that defense right now.
1: Definitely, definitely. What I know, uh, what is his game like if you were, you know, to describe it from when you, your vantage point growing up and, and as a player, as a young fella coming up into the grown man that he is now, what's kind of been the way he likes to play or the kind of qualities that he kind of brings to the table?
4: His aggression, honestly, is is, is uh, <clears throat> and his engine, is his number one qualities. What he brings to the table is, if you notice, whenever he's in the game, the pocket will collapse. He's a heat seeker for that ball, and when I say his aggression, I've seen him run sixty yards for a tackle. He won't stop. It's just.
1: Constantly effort, hustle, willing to outwork whoever's across from him, right?
4: His motto is he will eat whoever in front of him, sir. And his nickname is Big Snack, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I,
1: tell us tell us about that, because I saw on Twitter you, you retweeted our, our show kind of with the hashtag Big Snack. Is that your nickname or is that one that his teammates gave him?
4: How did that come about? Oh, I gave it to him. Uh, you know, the family-sized package of polar sausage? Yeah. yeah. Well, the kid ate a whole pack in front of me and then made me hungry. So I'm like, hey, give me a sandwich. Man. And he was like, ain't no more. <laughs> so, <laughs> he was big snack after that.
1: <laughs> that's a that's a fitting nickname. Now he's six five. Does he get that size from from you or is it somewhere else in the family?
4: Well I'm only six three but my dad was six eight and his and his mom's dad is like six five. Wow. So we got two wow. tall granddads.
1: Yeah, and you say only right? six three, Were you uh, a football guy, or a basketball guy coming up yourself?
4: Yeah. Football. Yes, sir. I played uh, high school and a couple years uh, at Central State.
1: Okay. Okay.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Were you a, a defensive lineman, or what was your position?
4: Offensive tackle. Wow. I don't know how that happened because I was a defensive lineman in high school, but
1: <laughs> when I got to center. <laughs> yes,
4: yeah,
1: so sir. So when you when you watch the games, obviously I guess you are the trenches is probably the first place you focus because you played on both sides of the ball when you play.
4: Yes, sir. I mean, like I tell Phil, that's where the work at. So I mainly focus yeah. on that, and then with him being my son, I'm definitely going to focus there.
1: Absolutely. Now, you all are from Ohio. We know, you know of course, Coach Stoops and Coach Merrow have that Youngstown connection. Uh, a lot of guys have been recruited to Kentucky from Ohio, probably more so now than than ever. Uh, you know, C.J. Conrad, Jordan Jones, Benny Snell, a lot of guys from Ohio. For people not from Ohio, tell us, and you been from Toledo, tell us what the high school football vibe is like in that state, the talent level, and how does Toledo compare to the other cities, you know, the Cleveland's, the Dayton's, you know, Cincinnati's. Just gonna give us a, a taste of what that Ohio high school
4: football is like. Honestly, it's it's uh it's Midwest football, you know, big guys and they brawling. But as far as the competition level, I've seen you know Dayton, Akron, several teams come up and play Whitmer, where my both my kids went, and even Cleveland St. Ignatius. the The level of competition is pretty much the same. Everybody's on that level of they've built a nice uh, team. Every year they have a competitive season.
1: Physical lineup, and and let's see what happens, huh?
4: Yes, sir. That's that's how we play up here. Yes, sir. They uh, nothing's changed. It's still Midwest football.
1: I've you know seen you. when We followed each other on on Twitter uh, for a little while see you retweet some of Phil's tweets, and it seems like he kind of puts out a lot of level-headed stuff, kind of a lot of tweets with perspective. I see the one that he has pinned up there on his page now. I didn't deserve to make it out of Toledo. I didn't deserve to make it out of Highland. I don't deserve to be here at this wonderful establishment in Kentucky where God's grace and love for me got me here. So, tell us how kind of he feels and you guys feel about his journey to the University of Kentucky where he's at now.
4: I've always told him it's his destiny. He has to walk it, you know. You just got to get there. I love the fact that he chose junior college over the route that I was telling him to go, just go to school and become a walk-on next year. He was like, no, I want to go to JUCO." And then when uh, Kentucky started recruiting, the only coach out of maybe 18 out of the top 25 schools that recruited him, Coach Morrow Vince was the only one that made a real connection with me. You know, when he, when he, he vied with you, he he tried to get with you. So I'm telling Phil, that's a man who will take care of you, he'll look out for you, and develop you. So. We pushed all the other schools aside and focused on Kentucky because of Vince.
1: Wow. And it seems like he has that that reputation, that effect on, on everybody when he's out there on the recruiting trail. I mean, it was just, you get a, a, a true read of of how real he is as soon as you meet him is that kind of how he comes across.
4: Yes, yes, indeed. I mean, anything you can relate to, he can relate to. Whereas the other schools that came, they didn't uh, they really didn't relate to anything.
2: Hmm. And, and as a as a, as a parent, and, and thank you. This is Terry asking this question. As a parent, Hello, sir. that's kind of a. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. But to hear you talk about, about Vince kind of coming and building that relationship with you, Vinny and I are both fathers ourselves and, you know, my my oldest is, is, is 12, so I can okay. only imagine, you know, when it comes to, to, to college and making that kind of decision, there has to be that comfort level where you can say, you know what, hey, yeah, you can have my son. You know, you can know from a because I know a little bit about Ohio football. There's a lot of schools in Ohio. There's a lot of schools around yes. the country. Yes, sir. But you know, having that level of comfort to send to, to to Kentucky uh, and and you saying that that's what we're hearing from uh, people that, that uh, are you know their kids are being recruited by Vince. I, I can understand that's a that's a big thing to say. Yeah, you can go on down south to Kentucky. So I'm, glad, and I'm right. Glad you're here, obviously, so
4: I'm so glad. That he's there and and it's great, man. It's it's perfect fit for Phil. It's a perfect fit, uh, and I'm now, so comfortable. You, you, Sorry about that.
2: No, I was gonna. Add, I'm glad you're Are you gonna? Uh, how many games are you gonna try to get to? All of them? you gonna travel on the road a little bit, or kind of wait and see?
4: Well, that depends on the work schedule. I can usually do. I know it's like six. Uh, I mean, six games. Period. I'll catch all the home games and maybe two away. Okay. Yes, sir. But this year I'm uh, scheduling a little different because last year I was a rookie. So now I know (laughs) what, (laughs) as a traveling parent (laughs) like that. (laughs) So now I can get to maybe more away games as well.
1: Okay. What were some of the away places that you enjoyed visiting the, the most in your rookie season and and what are maybe the places you're looking forward to hitting this year on the road?
4: Georgia was the best because I have three older brothers down there and two older sisters. So I got to slide by and take a peek. And I can't wait to go to the Louisville game to feel what it feels like in their stadium because it's like up here is Michigan, Ohio State. So now I'm getting used to this Louisville, Kentucky, vibe, when I'm like, this is just as intense. Yes. I didn't know that. Yes,
3: absolutely, yeah. Yeah.
4: (laughs) Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to walking with some big blue on (laughs) in Louisville. Yeah, that's that's
3: (laughs)
1: That's right. (laughs) That's right. We are talking with Anthony Hoskins, father of UKD lineman Phil Hoskins, talking about the upcoming season, Phil's journey to UK, got a little bit of that Ohio vibe. Mr. Hoskins is schooling us on Ohio high school football. I'm just curious, Mr. Hoskins, where we we follow each other on Twitter for a little bit, and. Yes. Your Twitter handle is p h i o v d z q u four v seven p six z. I was wondering how that came about.
4: They picked it for me, and uh, I when Phil was in Highland in Kansas, you couldn't get a reception uh, from his phone, so I had to go on Twitter. And when I went on there, that that's what they gave me. I was like, okay, it's not like I'm really a Twitter guy or whatever. But that was my form of communication with Phil when he was in JUCO. Wow. Because
1: I, I was like, well, I was like the P-H. am like, well, that's the first two letters of Phil's name. I'm like, but I don't. I was just, I was like, I gotta, I, like, I gotta ask him about. That. Was, right. That's definitely unique. That's definitely unique. <laughs>
4: Right. It was like, we want to use this as a name? I was like, okay, whatever. I just want to communicate with my son in the middle of a cornfield. Right. <laughs> 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 and, and he, he couldn't and get every, no signal out there. <laughs> but, but
2: every parent understands that. Just let me talk to my kid. Whatever it takes, just let me talk to my kid. I can understand that.
1: <laughs>
4: That's all it was. <laughs> uh, sir, yes, sir.
1: And parents all three of us, um, and you had to feel some relief. I'm getting off topic a little bit. You had to feel some relief to see all of those kids in Thailand make it out of that cave safely because you can definitely, I mean, we can't really imagine, but as a parent we can put ourselves in their shoes of how stressful it had to be for the parents of all those boys over there until the last one was out
4: safe. I can say I thank God each time they came out. I uh, asked God a couple times, like I know you're supposed to get down there and get them, and shed a tear when they brought the coach out. Like, oh man, that's cool. They, they didn't go through that horrible death. those oh, are, yeah. are babies. Someone's babies. Yeah, I can't lie. I thank mm-hmm. God each time they came out. Yeah.
1: And then they, the report said that, those, you know, a couple hours after they got them out, those pumps kind of failed, and it could have really been bad had they not gotten out. So that just makes you relieved even more that they got them out just in the nick of time.
4: Timing is everything in life, sir. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So,
1: Mr. Hoskins, were you born and raised in Ohio? Is that is that your yes, home sir. state? Yes,
4: sir. Yes, sir. Okay.
1: So, we we kind of had this conversation with with AJ Rose's dad a few weeks ago as well. Are you all in on the Cavs and the Browns and the Indians? Being being from the Buckeye State, you ride with them year <laughs> in and year out. No,
4: sir. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a- <laughs> I'm a Pistons fan, I'm a Raiders fan, and I'm a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. Wow. cool! You got to remember, I was born in 68. The the Pirates was kind of good back in the 70s. So I got to stick with them because of loyalty.
0: I'm up close to Detroit,
4: so I've been a Pistons fan forever. And the Raiders, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I'm a LeBron fan. Don't get me wrong. Uh
1: huh. Yeah. Well, you know, Terry's a big Laker guy, so you know we kind of started the show because you know that news happened, so we we had to talk about purple and gold for Terry and and
3: all that (laughs) good stuff. Then we had to.
1: How you feel about
2: LeBron going there, T? I am. I am excited. Uh, I mean, I, I think LeBron, we, we can't look at him in the comparisons to Jordan. You got to let LeBron be LeBron. And and I know what he was able to do for the Cavaliers organization. I think he kind of earned the right to, to make that choice. He was a free agent. I'm excited. I'm ecstatic about it because I, I'm a big LeBron guy. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do in purple and gold.
4: If anything, he's going to make them ten times better than last year. And I'll take it.
2: I I will definitely take it. (laughs) Uh, I I don't want to say I've been long-suffering because it hasn't been that long since they won a championship, so I'm not going to make it sound like it's been bad. (laughs) These last couple years, of not making the playoffs. Yeah, we deserve to have a a, a playoff team in L.A.
4: Right. I mean, I wish he would have brought the uh, – what was the other kid that went to Cleveland from L.A.? Uh, Nance, Larry Nance. It was Nance and the uh, other kid. Yes. I was up around when it took those guys back to L.A. Whitting. They were better in L.A.
2: Yeah. I I don't think that big midseason trade did what the Cavs thought it was going to do. Uh, I, I just don't think those guys kind of fit in with what they were trying to do because once they got to the playoffs, you know, Coach Lou was, Still going with that rotation that he'd always been going with, so right. I'm, I'm right there with you. That that trade didn't do what I thought, you know, what Cleveland kind of thought they were going to do.
4: Correct, but you guys got the best player in the world now.
2: Ooh. I'm excited.
4: <laughs> oh
2: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and I'm equally excited about the upcoming football season. You know, a lot has been made about uh, Coach Stoops and there was an article in the uh, Lexington Herald-Leader about, you know, defense kind of needing to, to step up. And, and everything I'm hearing about, the, the, the defense is going to step up. Like, that is going to be something that they can hang their hat on uh, on the de- defensive side of the ball, particularly that defensive line, because uh, that's where they're going to need that push. You know, I think I think third downs has been kind of the the bugaboo on the defensive side. So any kind of yeah. improvement there is going to be beneficial. Um, so I'm excited about that. I'm, 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 I'm bought in as the kids say, oh. so, did the kids say that Vinny is it, still bought in. Is that a thing the kids say? <laughs>
1: I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, few, yeah, I think a few a few more too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
4: well, like Cleveland, I believe in them when I'm all in. These kids it, are it, hungry yeah. from that loss last year in the bowl game. Yeah. yeah. They're and, hungry and from that.
2: And that's good to hear because – I think a lot of Kentucky fans sometimes think that you can flip a switch and get real good real quick, but sometimes you need a little bit of heartbreak to to motivate Mm -hmm. you. You know, you're you're a a Detroit fan, and so, you know, all those losses that Isaiah and those guys had against Boston, you know, they got over that Boston hump, then they get to the finals, and then they, you know, they lose to my Lakers, Vinny. (laughs) <laughs> and, of <but> course <laughs> With a sweep <laughs> <laughs> But you know th- I- I- so I'm glad you brought that up Saying hey that just making the bowl Game ain't enough anymore You know right. a couple of years ago you say Oh we want to make no we want to win We want to go to a different bowl game We want to beat these other Teams and I, and I think that's what We're going to see this next year coming Up that's what's got me excited
4: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've talked to a few of them, a few of the kids, and that's motivated them all winter, all, well, all, all winter and spring. So I hope it yeah. transfers over to them. I want to see them go here. Everybody that I noticed, this, sir, uh, they're not really happy with Coach Stoops. but I see such improvement that the man has made over the last 20 years, I would be ecstatic with what the man doing. And that,
2: and that has been the thing, too, is uh, you know, the SEC, I mean, it's, let's just say it is what it is. It's the cream of the crop when yes, you sir. look across college football. And Vinny and I talk mm-hmm. about all the time, and, and you have traveled around, you've seen this, it's like when you play in the SEC, there's always that three- or four-game stretch that's brutal. Like yes. you got to go to Florida you gotta, you know, play Alabama. You gotta. There's just a stretch where you've got to, for lack of a better word, you got to man up. You have got to be physically tough. It's mm-hmm. a to cliche. You can't take any plays off. You know, if if, if, <laughs> yeah. if, if if your son takes a play off, he's 15 yards down the field. You've got exactly. to. Be, so you got <laughs> to be locked in from snap to whistle. You know, 70, 80 times to get how many plays, and I think. Again, you just can't wave a magic wand and change the mindset of a football program. It takes some time.
4: Exactly.
2: From what I'm seeing, it's moving the team in the right direction. I mean, I'm a lay person. I don't know, but I do see improvement.
4: Right. I, I, that's all I see. I'm like, well, I've been watching them for like the last three years personally. And I'm like, okay, he's here. You know, it's like I had a little stagger, but getting better. And then you see the the kids getting better, different attitudes. It, it's getting better. I I, t- I say next year, year after, mm-hmm. they'll be able to get a lot of good games going with nothing but victories instead of scaring us and then we win. This is going to be they're going to just dominate <laughs> in the next three years. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, and, and that and that was the thing last year. There were just a lot of close games where you couldn't take your foot off the gas at all. Like all yes, the judges were kind of close to the vest. So it, that, I think that made the season seem a little bit longer that way. But I'm looking forward to – let's get some comfortable wins. You know, not to get a – Exactly. Just yeah.
4: go blow some stuff out. Yeah. Let's blow <laughs> some of
2: these teams out. And let's, you know, let's save the nail biters for the Alabamas and the Georgias. You know, we don't need to yes, have a railway against Central Michigan. Let's let's no. put these right. teams away early. So that's the mindset that they have to to jump out uh with this year. And and it from everything I'm seeing, that's the mindset that the players and coaches are on as well.
4: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, sir. They uh you gotta like not saying that the first game should be an easy victory, but you gotta <laughs> play it like it is to me. It's like, mm-hmm. come on, kids, y'all get out there and just dominate. They not, y'all in the yeah. SEC. This is like the best. That's really yeah, you should dominate. be able to
2: beat this MAC team. I, I'm, I'm right there. I'm right there with you. And and Kentucky still has to earn that respect. I saw on Paul Feinbaum's show that is it is it Burt Sally uh, that, that's on there, Vinnie Brent Sally. I can't remember Barrett. Yeah, baseball. Yeah. Barrett was was saying. Yeah. You know, South Carolina is going to be the number two behind uh, Georgia, and I'm like, well, we Georgia. got a four-game winning streak against South Carolina. Kentucky needs to be in mm-hmm. that mix, needs to be in right. that conversation. Uh, but of course, you got to go out and earn it. So
1: this can be the year where we kind of earn a little bit of that respect.
4: I, I, I think can't... it's coming, sir. I think this is the year the Big Blue Nation going to get that respect.
1: Well, I I'm looking forward
4: to it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, me too. Yeah. It's coming. I, I, we get old Jordan Jones out there with a little yeah. head. It's coming. Yeah. That's it. That's and then we'll end up September 1st first is coming
1: quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's come this this uh this camp will be done and over with before we know it and September the first will be here and, and we'll be in In that season mode, it's right around the corner, and we can't wait.
4: Yes, absolutely. Yes, sir. I miss football already.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. We can't thank you enough for taking the time to jump on the show with us, Mr. Hawkins. Hawkins, we have enjoyed it. Absolutely. Uh, Thoroughly enjoyed you taking the time to come on with us, and we definitely have to have you on again once the season starts. And. And get your perspective again. And uh, I don't get to every single game, but maybe I get to to meet you at a home game or a road game this year, and and be able to put a face with a voice, and uh, that that'd be a treat as well.
4: Yes, sir, and it was a pleasure and an honor being on your show. And I'll be at every home game just about this year. So you got my number. I got yours. Have yours, rather. And I'll be over in the family section.
1: All right, well, that sounds great. I'm going to try to get to something myself. Okay, cool. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Mr. Hoskins. Hope you all have a good evening, and uh, we all looking forward to this upcoming season.
4: All right. Thank you for having me. You're welcome, sir.
1: Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. That was Anthony Hoskins, Phil Hoskins' father, talking UK football, fighting for this season. The Ohio vibes, and you're familiar with the football up there. Uh, talked about yeah. his favorite teams as well, and just fellow fathers talking parent to parent stuff. And we had that was a fun conversation, man. That was cool of him to come on. Uh, like you say, cross paths with him on Twitter a little bit after we had AJ Rose's dad on, and so I was like, well, oh, I'm gonna try to get Mr. Hoskins on too, and you know. A little different perspective of guests when you get fathers of players on or parents of players, and so it's always interesting to talk with them. Well, and I'm and I'm glad because
2: uh, you get you get that perspective, but uh, you know, not to recap what he said, but talking about Vince Morrow, like we've we've heard that he's he, kind of yes. uh, becoming the guy, and you're like, okay, what is he mm-hmm. doing? And, and it goes back to something you know, falling back. And what what Coach Cal talks about is relationships. That's the that's how they're able to do it. You know, we're old enough to remember, and we've had Anthony White that played football back when we did. You know, we're old guys now. Whatever. I, I, I'm not going to tell him. He, I'm, don't tell him I call him old. But we're going into <laughs> Ohio for Kentucky. Just they didn't do it. Like like we just did not go there to recruit. Uh, As heavily as we are. And now we're doing that. Now we've got that pipeline set up and we're bringing in quality guys. Uh, For me, the biggest change under Stoops is uh, I think you've talked about it. It starts out that, you know, Kentucky is where we were in, you know, guys' top five. Maybe we didn't land them, but we were in their top five. You know, we were in their top three. You know, it came down between Kentucky and another school. Um, what I think is amazing, and I don't think the staff gets enough, is they get in and on guys early. You know, they get in on guys at the high school level, at the JUCO level, early. And then, you know, we see their stars start to rise a little bit. And then, you know, another big-name program might come in, you know, and, and make some noise at the last possible minute. But I think when you're looking at staff evaluation, how they evaluate players, I don't know that there might be a better st- uh, evaluating staff in the country. I'd put Kentucky up there against anybody. When you look at kind of the quote-unquote diamonds in the rough that they find, that they've kind of got their eyes on, we may not get them all, but we're definitely in the mix. And that that's great talent evaluation and great relationship building. You know, like with with Damian Harris, you're not going to fault that kid for going to Alabama. It's Alabama football. I mean, that I, I get that. But to, to even be in the conversation, I think, is, is a great step forward. Uh, and then you look at our recruiting rankings. They've gone up under Stoops. Uh, but this year has got to be the year. Uh, you know, yeah. well, uh, well, can I talk about my latest on Cameron Mills Radio?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, so I wrote about football because uh, Jim Smith of the Herald Leader, uh, it's almost an annual thing, but basically uh, the season ticket packages, uh, you know, they're they are about, you know, it's a 10% drop, season ticket packages from last year to this year. And obviously that's a cause of concern with the athletic department, you know, you want to have those season ticket sales. So I did some digging, did a little bit of research. Well, when you look at actual attendance and I know they want to get the season ticket packages, but actual attendance, it's not as bad as we're making, we've been led to believe. I think, I think it's unfair to kind of say Kentucky fans are lukewarm. Kentucky football fans aren't buying in, uh, When you look, college football as a whole, attendance was down about 1,500 people per game to its lowest figure since 2008. That's a pretty big drop. That's across the board. Uh, The college football attendance is just down. Uh, We talked about during basketball season, Kentucky basketball attendance has been down aren't going to live sports like they used to be. And there's a lot of reasons. I think the biggest one is cost. Ticket prices, concession prices, if you've got a family of four, or even if it's just two people, it is expensive to go to a sporting event. It really is. Uh, When you factor in travel time, especially for football, where you have a lot of folks traveling around, from Kentucky, even coming from Louisville, you know, if you're going to a football game, you're you're pretty much your Friday evening, is preparation and your Sunday, you know, early Sunday, you're recovering. You're giving up quite a bit of time to go to the football game. And you throw the the price on that as well. Um, It's just, it's cost prohibitive for a lot of folks. But when you look at what Kentucky is able to do, our attendance, and, and I, I forget the where I got these figures, but I've got it in the article there, um, we're averaging about 60,000 people a game. And this is, this is uh, as, as recent as 2015. Uh, but the biggest thing is when you look at percent to capacity full, like, okay, you're bringing in 60,000 people, but how big is your stadium? How big is, you know, what you're – in Kentucky – when you look historically, going back you 20-plus know, years, Kentucky, strangely enough, when it comes to percentage capacity, they're a top 25 program. And when you look at the on-the-field performance and the wins and losses, that doesn't jive. <laughs> I mean, we, you know looking at 2015, they were closer to being full than Tennessee, than South Carolina than my hometown team here Louisville when you look at right. how they're drawn to it, capacity. And even head-to-head, they beat Louisville on total attendance and percent of capacity. So I, I think it's unfair to say the season ticket sales are – there, there's other factors involved than the fans just not caring. A lot of people responded to that article and said, look, You know, the upgrades, I'm getting ready to say Commonwealth, but the Kroger Field are nice. (laughs) But a lot of people feel like the the majority of those upgrades were for the really, really wealthy people, the Woodford Reserve area, the luxury boxes, you know, got done, but not a lot for the average fan. And when you factor in the cost, when you factor in the time commitment, and you know you you have this seat, and you can still see you know the people. Uh, like you can't buy beer, but there's a Woodford Reserve area. I get that. That makes and, and makes think, no sense. Yeah, and, and I think a lot that upset a lot. I've talked to quite a bit of people. A lot, quite a bit of people, quite a, a bit of folks <laughs> that uh, that was an issue. Like, wait a minute, we can't get any kind of really substantial upgrade for the average fan. And that, the scoreboards are nice. I think the upgrades to the press box are nice, selfishly. I think the upgrades that they've done to the interviewing room and the <laughs> locker rooms, and yada, yada, yada. But to the average fan, yeah. you've got to factor in, I'm traveling, I'm going, I'm spending. And and, and really, cell service cell service is out right? You know, when you're yeah. at, um, uh, you know, when you're at Rupp, when you're at uh, Kroger Field. So you're kind of isolated from everything. And for a lot of folks, you can, you know, go to your den, go to your basement, go to your whatever, get your 50-plus-inch HDTV, watch the game, cheer the cats on, and then, oh, you know, you go to the next game. And I think the struggle, and again, this isn't just Kentucky football. This is for everybody. Uh, if you're not, and I'm trying to remember the top five as far as attendance, and a top, and when you look at the, the total numbers and the folks, you know, um, you know how full is your stadium? It's your usual stu- suspect Oregon, that bizarrely is like at 100% of capacity; uh, Alabama, Michigan, Florida. Uh, I think Texas A&M was above 100% capacity. Uh, but usually, it's the teams that are really, really good. I mean, seriously, I'll I, I, I put the article up. I, I think we've tweeted out. I'll tweet it out again. When you look at the teams that are in the same capacity area with Kentucky, and, I, and you look at their wins and losses, I mean, yeah. we're right there with, like, Wisconsin. Uh, again, I know they draw more people, but I'm talking about how full your stadium gets. Kentucky football fans. Mm-hmm where the wins and losses and the on the field products are very uh, very very generous and I, I think it's unfair mm-hmm. to, to to label these Kentucky football fans anything other than being patient. Uh because was it the Florida game last year? Uh you put a whole bunch of emphasis on it and it was you know it was passed, it was rocking, it was rolling. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is Kentucky has to win. That's the bottom line. Yeah. You want people to fill in the the stadium. Kentucky's got to win. Uh, Is disheartening for all this hype and and lose the way we lost to Florida, like we talked yeah. about uh, the Tennessee game shouldn't have been that close. You know the Eastern Michigan game shouldn't have been that. Co- I mean, you need some blowout. <laughs> and 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 on KSR they talked about style of play. I don't think that's the case at all, to be honest with you, because if you're beating teams you're supposed to beat by two or three touchdowns, I don't care how you're scoring the touchdowns. You look at uh, Benny and Boom of a couple years ago, uh, when we were just running everybody over, there was no air raid. We were just physically beating people up, scoring. Hey, I'll take that. Mm -hmm. Whatever it Mm -hmm. it takes. Uh, But you can't. Barely get by Mac schools or you know whoever you know the directional schools. You've got to win those handily, right? And you can't. Yeah. And, and it's easier said than done. But Kentucky football fans, look. If Mark Stoops wants to be coach for life, this is what he's got to do. He's got to beat those teams. He's supposed to beat the directional schools. Southern Mississippi, beat those teams, right? He's got uh-huh. to go at least 500 against Louisville, right? He's got to win, I would say, 35% of the games against Vanderbilt. Got to be, you know, he's, he's got to, he you can't go over with Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and Missouri. Like, he's got to win two or three of the, uh-huh. two out of three of those games every single year. And then uh-huh. every year. He's got to give us a big win. You know, a lot of people talk about what Joker did or did not do. Joker had some big wins. Beating Tennessee was a big win. You know, finally beating uh, Steve Spurrier was a big win. Beating Georgia was a big win. Stoops needs that. And you get to seven or eight wins. You don't get blown out of any. And I think that's a pretty comfortable situation for a Kentucky football coach. And I don't think it should be out of the realm of
1: possibility. You do that and that's you it. have
2: thirty-five, forty thousand uh, 40,000 season tickets sold every year. Everybody would buy into that. You make Kroger field a tough place to play. And, and you know, we talk about, you know, what Hal mummy was doing as far as style of play, uh, Anthony White, you know, we had him on, you know, he was a 1,000-yard rusher. It wasn't just throw the ball all over the place, but what the how mummy era, what I remember is teams didn't want to, teams knew they were going to have to play. Like they couldn't look past Kentucky. And I think we need to get to that point, and, and a lot of people would be be happy and, and would, would be buying in.
1: All about that respect, still trying to get it. I mean, nobody's going to give it to you. Even down here in, in Tennessee, you know, they, they're they going through another coaching change, you know, and it's Jeremy Pruitt, who was, of course, an assistant to Nick Saban. You still, you know, as as much knowledge as he got, it's still his first time where he's in charge and had to make all the decisions. But yet, a lot of talk is <clears throat> they still have a lot of talent and and they do, and Bush Jones butchered a lot of that. They're coming off of o and eight in the s e c for the first time ever. They had never had a season below five and seven last year they went four and eight um and so but yet the talk is still you know we we're, we're gonna take our lumps against Georgia and Alabama. But the talk is still – this team is still going to be able to have a November to remember. And down here that means it's a given that you're going to beat Vanderbilt, you're going to beat Kentucky, and and I think Missouri now. They kind of round out the end of the season with those teams. Even though Kentucky might not be in November anymore, it's still just assumed that they're going to beat these teams like they always have even after coming from the depths of where they were last year and I get it that they have talent, but it's still you're not give, you're not respecting the Kentucky's and the Vanderbilt's because culturally, historically, they've never had to. And the the talk has not changed. And I've said it many times, you know, Kentucky's gotta get that respect. Sure, Kentucky did beat Tennessee last year. They won in spite of their four turnovers. You know, that game was replayed on SEC Network the other day. Maybe it would have been a blowout, you know, had Kentucky never hold on to the ball. Historically, Kentucky loses those games where, of course, you you have more giveaways than the other team. You're pretty much destined to lose. So credit to Kentucky for winning that game, but Tennessee shouldn't have been thrown into the end zone (laughs) for a shot to win. And, you know, we saw that way too many times last year. So, like you and Mr. Hoskins are saying, let's get some comfortable wins. Uh, Kentucky is, as of now, in the way too early lines, I think favored by one, going to Knoxville this year. And that hasn't happened in decades. So, maybe that's a little pinch of respect that, you know, people are actually picking Kentucky to win in Knoxville, which they haven't done since 84 But Kentucky still needs to go out and kind of take respect to where it is. You not just assume that it's an easy W when you just went 0-8 in SEC last year and you just assume you're going to beat Kentucky, who beat you last year. So no doubt they're aware of that. Coach Stutz and them know they still got work to do. Uh, And no doubt they want to have some more comfortable wins. They want an eight-win season, which hasn't happened in decades in the regular season, you know, not counting the bowl game as your eighth win. they, You know, an eight-and-four season, we don't really know what that's like, TV because I don't think it's happened since 80, you know, 84, Jerry Claiborne, pre-Freddie Maggard year. So uh, it's a steady, sometimes slower than we won't climb, but that's that's kind of just the way it is in SEC, for Kentucky football. And, and, yeah, we don't want – we we
2: need to get Kentucky football off the list like how we look at a lot of Kentucky basketball uh, opponents. Yes. in the
1: SEC. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: mm-hmm. You know, I know I'm not alone. When the when the schedule comes out, I don't even I don't think of Ole Miss. Like whatever. <laughs> I I usually you yeah. know, don't think of Auburn. I mean, there's like probably six mm-hmm. games. I'm like, you know what? Whatever. Uh, when it comes to Kentucky <laughs> basketball and the SEC, honestly, and and yeah, those teams have probably mm-hmm. beat them recently, but still, it doesn't move the needle. Like I'm, I'd never right. go to a Georgia game. Like uh, the Georgia game is going to be because whatever, I don't care. I mean, <laughs> it's one
1: of those mm-hmm. things.
2: It sounds bad, and you're supposed to respect everybody, it's arrogant. but to be honest.
1: It's arrogant. Yeah, <laughs> but but Georgia. And that's how they you know, view us in football. That's how they look at us in football. Yeah, well, yeah, Kentucky. Yeah, they beat us by three last year. We went on eight, and then we should have beat them. Hey, we just go, you know, you just look at Kentucky as a win. That's how hey, you look at us.
2: And, and that's the thing too, uh, when you look at like South Carolina, and South Carolina's getting a lot of love. I'm like, I have never seen a team in history get this kind of love that's on a four game losing streak to Kentucky. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, uh, I get it. They built up some momentum and, you know, whoever they added. But I'm like, it's still a four-game losing streak to Kentucky. Like, that's still the thing. You know, Missouri Mm -hmm. is is three games to Missouri,
1: I think, three or four games. Or three games. And they they, Uh, they were throwing in the end zone for the win last year, but Kentucky held on. So, hey, you know, it was a close win, but it was a win. But I remember the Missouri
2: game a couple years ago when Missouri was ranked and it was the first – top 25 win for Stoops. Being in the press box, we win the game, Mm -hmm. and I'm next to the Missouri coaches box, (laughs) and he said, blankety-blank, this (laughs) is Kentucky. Like, he was just moralized that they have lost to us. Like, you know, we need to get past that point where teams say, you know what, we're going to have to play for the full 60 minutes. Like, Mm -hmm. this is not a game. And, And that's what I liked a couple years ago with that Alabama game, to kind of turn that season around after that zero and two start, where where Nick Saban, who doesn't really give credit, uh, said, "Hey, Kentucky played us tough." You know, yeah. I think <clears throat> if I remember correctly, their lowest point total of the whole season was against Kentucky, and and don't give me the yeah. you know, Nick Saban took his foot off the gas. That ain't the way he operates. Okay, <laughs> I mean that's. I watched Nick Saban for 20 years. That ain't the way he operates. Kentucky, we played him. We played him mm. well. I know we lost, and I get all that. But you've got yeah. to, you've got to earn that respect on the field.
1: Exactly. Got to shift gears real quick. We got about 10 minutes or so left. Uh, a couple of of sad notes, but one being Kentucky football, uh, basketball, with the passing of Frank Ramsey. Before our time, but an impressive resume on the court, uh, and from all accounts, uh, a truly great, classy gentleman off the court. Frank Ramsey passed at the age of 86, uh, played for Coach Rupp, was on the 1951 championship team, and of course went on to the Celtics to be the original six man. I know. You've been a Lakers fan, and, you know, it, it, it chaps you that they're one ahead as far as banners are concerned. Frank Ramsey helped put seven of those banners up in Boston Garden. Uh, a lot of people reflecting on him this past week. He was from Kentucky, from Madisonville, in-state guy playing for Kentucky. Uh, Oscar Combs was on with Cameron Mill Sunday, talking about Mr. Ramsey from the Kentucky perspective. Bob Ryan from the Boston Globe was on with Tom Leach earlier in the week reflecting on the Boston perspective from Frank Ramsey. So that's quite a basketball life. And then, of course, he was a great gentleman off the court as well. So definitely condolence to, to uh, Frank Ramsey and his family. Vic Larry Vaught just tweeted out uh, the funeral arrangements and information, the visitation and all that. I just retweeted it. Um. It's going to be in Madisonville, yeah. Uh, Thursday, tomorrow, three to seven. Friday, nine to eleven a.m. First United Methodist Church, uh, two hundred East Center Street in Madisonville. The uh, funeral is Friday at eleven. So it's two visitations: Thursday evening and Friday morning. In the funeral, Friday morning, uh, there in Madisonville, where Frank Ramsey was from. But seven championships. You know, backing up Bob Cousy, first got off the bench for Red R back. Talking us. I mean, that's that's what Frank Ramsey did. That that's a that's a great basketball
2: life. It's a it's a huge loss for the uh for the Kentucky family, for his family obviously. Uh but that's mm-hmm. a that's a that's a pretty good basketball career to to, to play under Adolph Ruff and then Red R back. That's a that's a pretty good <laughs> That's that's a pretty good uh, good setup, and and definitely condolences to, to to his family and and to to the Kentucky uh, basketball family. I, I hope that they make acknowledgement of that throughout the at some point during the season, um, because he did help lay the foundation for for what we what we enjoy today.
1: Absolutely,
2: and
1: uh, you know Oscar Cone been gracious enough to come on our show, but he's got a lot of the podcasts that he's done with some of the older players, done with current players, you know, from our generation, but, uh, you know, just had Tom Leach on his podcast for a couple of episodes. Not being able to get Frank Ramsey on is one that he's kind of kicking himself about because he was kind of in the works to have an interview uh, with Mr. Ramsey, but unfortunately he passed away before. Uh, they were able to talk, but a lot of history, and it was it was cool hearing Oscar reflect on him and, and Cliff Hagen and, and those guys uh, when they were were at Kentucky. Um, so definitely had to make sure we mentioned that. Uh, fast forward to kind of our generation, and it's for the rival Louisville Cardinals, but the passing of Clifford Rose here, and I mean you and I both. You know, watched him play against the Cats, watched him play uh, for Louisville, go on to the Warriors, just five years older than us, passed away of a heart attack at age 45. So definitely shocking news to, to hear that about Clifford Rozier. Now, uh, he
2: was – I was still a, a Louisville fan uh, when when he was playing. Yeah. And, and, I mean, he was a rebounding machine. And you know, he is one of those few uh not I shouldn't say few, that's a little dry, but you know, he was an all American at Louisville, which you know they don't have a whole ton of. But he put in really great seasons
1: and
2: uh man, that's a tough loss. I mean he was he was a kind of undersized four, uh, if you will. Uh but man, he was part of some really, really great teams at UofL. And this it's a it's a huge loss for obviously for his family, but as you said, he's just a few years older than us, and and that really kind of puts mm-hmm. things in perspective because you know we I, I don't like to think that I'm old and I don't think in the big scheme of things we're really old but, whew, I mean when I saw that one that one really wow you know that one that one really hurt so definitely condolences to yeah. to his family and and to to the UL folks as well. And I hope they do a little something for him this season, whether you know it's a patch or, or some kind of acknowledgement uh, of, uh, of Cliff Rozier.
3: Definitely.
1: <clears throat> a couple weeks ago we um, kind of talked about Hall of Fame and a lot of that on the show uh, with the uh, the U.K. Hall of Fame, the uh, the pro football NFL Kentucky Hall of Fame with all of the ceremonies that are going to be taking place uh, and coming up actually next month in Louisville right there at the, the lovely state-of-the-art Muhammad Ali Center in Louisville. There will be another uh, Hall of Fame. The Kentucky Sports Hall of Fame ceremony will take place on August the 22nd. And the inductees are Bob Baffert. Uh, We also have, of course, everybody, you know, he needs no introduction with all he's done in horse racing and multiple triple crowns and legendary trainer. Uh, Bob Beatty, longtime high school coach at Trinity. Uh, Yeah. And and let's see, uh, Sam Ball, former U.K. and NFL offensive lineman. Nikki Hayden, a motorcycle racer from Owensboro. He passed away recently. Uh, then you have Ken and Sarah Ramsey, who are also legendary horse owners. And I'm going to be biased because I'm, in my opinion, saving the best for last because friend of the show, Mr. Bernie Biggestaff is also going in uh, to the Kentucky Athletic Hall of Fame as well long-time career in the NBA from Bigland, Kentucky, right there in Harlan County. Won two championships. One, where he was with the Washington Bullets as an assistant alongside your guy from Seneca, Wes Unsell. Both of those gentlemen won a title together. Um, and then Bernie won another one as a part of uh, a scout with the Cavaliers. So congratulations to all of them. And definitely had to to uh, make mention of that, with all of them going into uh, the Kentucky Athletic Hall of Fame in uh, Louisville next month, August the 22nd. The the Hall of Fame's been open since 63 in operation, and it's overseen by the Louisville Sports Commission, so no doubt that is going to be a great ceremony. I believe my dad and my uncle, who uh, you met when we all got to eat up the charts last year, they're planning on being there uh, Bernie's, Bernie's a little bit older than my dad But my uncle and aunt They all went to school with Bernie there at, uh, at Benham At the black school in Benham, Kentucky So they're going to be there in attendance To see Bernie inducted into that Hall of Fame So congratulations to all of them uh, And a bias congratulations to Bernie From me <laughs> Yeah, and that's
2: the You would have thought he would have been in You know, that's the one thing we Talk <laughs> about Paul's of Fame And you know We talked about T.O., who, you know, know, who should get in. Then there's people you're just like, how is that person not already in? That's always a fun game to play as well. Like if you said Bernie Bickerstaff Kentucky Athletic Hall of Fame, I would have assumed he would already have been in. That would have been my assumption. Obviously I would have been wrong, but that's just one of those things. I'm glad they're rectifying it. I'm glad, you know, he's going in and, and, and Bob Baffert. Obviously, what what he's done over the last couple of years of horse racing, I think he was a Hall of Famer before American Pharaoh, before Justify. But you get two mm-hmm. uh, Triple Crown winners in, in three years, and and yeah, yeah, you,
3: you're
2: you're going in a Hall of Fame somewhere. <laughs> yeah,
1: and one of the articles I read about it listed, you know, every Hall of Fame has their criteria. Um, Baffert from Arizona, but a lot of his success, of course, has been in Kentucky. You can't win a Triple Crown without winning the Derby, so that speaks for itself about his success in our home state. Uh, also, you have to, you know, be from Kentucky or, you know, played in Kentucky and things of that nature, which, of course, Bernie and Sam Ball and all the others would kind of meet and check those boxes. But, yeah, you know, Baffert has definitely made a name for himself, in our state, as have all the other inductees. Uh, Michelle just tweeted this. Michelle Morton said that she used to babysit for Sam Ball, the, the U.K. and NFL lineman that's going in. She said she lived behind her house uh, there in Henderson, Kentucky. So that's a neat um, nugget from Michelle. And she also said that she used to go to Frank Ramsey's house in so she's been rubbing shoulders with everybody, and, and has gotten to know a lot of these people that we're talking about this evening. Um, so a lot of cool stuff, and we covered a ton. There might be some kind of carryover from something that we missed. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Ken Giles, the guy for the Astros, maybe you carry him over to <laughs> to next week because you know his latest. Thing you know, I had a little rant on him. Maybe I'll just wait till next week because uh, this ain't the first time he's acted a fool. Uh, but we covered a lot this evening. Our first show back from our break: Kentucky basketball, summer league, NBA free agency. I guess Anthony Hoskins. Fun as always, man, and it was good to to bounce back, have a lot of fun after being off and having fun doing different things here and there last Wednesday.
2: Yeah, great uh, great show. Thank everybody for listening, and we'll be back to to do it next week. Uh,
1: Do it next week again, same time, same place. Absolutely. And next week will be, quote, the slowest Wednesday of the year because that will be Wednesday after the MLB All-Star Game at the Home Run Derby coming up Monday. So that will be the one where we will – Fingers in the Air Corp struggle to have a lot of stuff to talk about. Hard to believe that it's already that time. Um, I'll be coming to the show from Panama City like I did last year. So we'll be splashing around and, and having fun with the wife and kids down there. But we'll still have plenty to get to, as always. The SEC media days will be in full swing. Coach Stoops and the Cats will have already had their day in Atlanta at the College Football Hall of Fame, not in Hoover this year. So we definitely have more football and, and, and feedback and nuggets from that, as well as whatever else happens between now and next Wednesday. So I'm looking forward to it, TV. Appreciate it. Everybody check out your piece on Kentucky football because you bring it about the attendance and really how loyal Kentucky fans have been in relation to the wins and losses and um, a lot of insight from what you wrote on CameronMillsRadio.com.
2: Yeah, you know, I just think it's unfair to kind of say, look at Kentucky fans when it's it's a situation uh, that's universal. I mean, it's uh, all college football. uh, Outside of your top five, you know, your Alabamas are going to be fine and and whatnot, but it's a a situation uh, that a lot of teams are facing uh,
1: across a lot of sports. How do we get people into the stands? Absolutely. So everybody, check that out and give it a read. If you missed tonight's show, check out the podcast: iTunes, Stitcher, Catchbox, Player FM. Replay tomorrow on Twelve Out Sports Radio. So uh, check it out, and we'll be like you said. we be back next week. Thanks again to Anthony Hoskins and TB. Appreciate you. Yeah, yeah you can. can everybody, everybody I mean, a week from For a little while,
3: huh. but once you.